long. I'm going to be going through uh, most of the book of Esther this morning. I'm going to preach on, uh, on this courageous uh, woman named Esther. I think it's a good, uh, a good lady to look at on Mother's Day. I wanted to preach a good message on Mother's Day about, about a good mother. Now, she's not necessarily a mother in this story, but she is a great and courageous woman. And I love the story of Esther. Uh, we're going to start in uh, chapter 2, actually. Turn to Esther chapter 2. And I'll probably start there at verse 5. Now, to, uh, to understand what's going on with, with, with Esther is, is that during the Old Testament, when uh, God had had just about enough of Israel, He sent them into captivity. And He had Babylon come in, Nebuchadnezzar come in, the king of Babylon comes in and He destroys Israel, He destroys Jerusalem, and He carries away everybody captive. Now, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah in your Bible is them returning back to the land of Israel from Babylon. And the story of Esther is what happens to the rest of the Jews that are left behind in Babylon. They're under this uh, Persian rule. They're under a Persian king. And in chapter 1 of Esther, the, the, this king, he has a, a great feast. And in this feast, he has his wife there. And his wife... Vashti would not come to the feast. He calls his wife to come to the feast because she's a beautiful woman. He says, I want you to come see, I want my wife to come in here. I want you to, to see her and to meet her. And his wife, she simply says, no, I'm not coming. So the guys get together, all the province, all the leaders, they get together and they said, man, we can't have this. You can't, we can't have this. If every, if, the, if every wife in the kingdom hears that the queen doesn't listen to what her husband says and is disobeying her husband, is doing whatever she wants to do, he, the, the people of the kingdom said, man, we're going to have some trouble on our hands. You've got to do something, king. So they decided that Vashti, she was cut off. She was no longer to be queen. She was no longer to be queen. So they decided we needed to get a new queen. Now what this is is a top. This is a top of what God's going to do with the Gentiles. And He's going to bring Israel back into prominence as the bride. We are the bride of Christ, and whenever God gets the rest of this bride together, Jesus Christ said, when the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, Paul talked about the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. When you sin, God's getting done. When God's done and through with dealing with the Gentiles, that's me and you, anybody who's not a Jew, then He's going to bring Israel back into, the, into His eyes. He's going to bring Israel back into the light. And He's going to start dealing with Israel again. And then that's real close to the end times. That's when God's about to come back through Jesus Christ. Now, how, what, what does that mean? That means in 1948, when Israel became a nation again, that should have woke you up. That tells you that God's clock is back on. He's about to start dealing with Israel again. And you've seen Him in the Six-Day War, His God's hand moving and doing these miracles to save Israel. You're seeing God's working, so we know that we're living in the end times. And this is a top of that, because this, this Jewish girl, Esther, is about to become a bride. And in verse 5, it says of her, it says, Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jokana, Jokonah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. Now, I just told you about all that. Verse 7, And he brought up Hadassah. Now, Hadassah is her Jewish name, which means like myrtle. Like a myrtle tree, that's her name, Myrtle. So, some of these old, a lot of older ladies are, are, have the name Myrtle. That's kind of where they get it from. That is Esther. Now, Esther is a Persian name and means stars. Her name means stars. 
in, uh, in Persia. So Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So what you need to understand about the book of Esther, before I get too far into this, is that the word God and the word Lord are never used in the book of Esther. And it was a very, very unique book of the Bible. It's the only Bible, book of the Bible you won't ever find the word God or Lord used. It's so unique that there's been some scholars through history that have tried to take away Esther out of the Bible. Because they say, well, it doesn't use the word God or it doesn't use Lord. But the truth is that you're going to see God's hand move this morning in the story of Esther. And I'm telling you, the book of Esther is a whole lot more relatable to you in your everyday life. Because you're not going to see the parting of the Red Sea. You're not going to see any miracle take place in this book. No miracles. No, God's name, the Lord's name is not used. It's, there's no miracles they're using here. It's a, a lot more practical to our everyday life. Because your everyday life, there's no miracles in your everyday life. It's pretty rare. If, it was, if, there, if miracles weren't rare, they wouldn't be miracles. That's what makes them miracles. Because they're not common. So, simply put, let me say this to you this morning. You don't need to be living by miracles. You need to be living by faith and not walking by, by sight, but by faith and living by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what you're going to see these men and women do, especially Esther. She's living by faith. Mordecai is living by faith. They're not expecting God to do some miracle. They're working, and God's hand moves behind the scenes. And I'll try to the best of my ability this morning, point those out as we read through them. But let me tell you something. I can't do it all in a little sermon up here, go home and read this book of Esther. It's not that long. It's a beautiful story, but I'm going to try to bring up the high points of it. Now, starting off at the beginning, there in verse 7, notice that Esther, Esther's nothing more than an orphan because her mom, her father, and mother were dead. She's an orphan, and her cousin, Matt Mordecai, he starts raising her up. He's, a lot, he's older than her, so he starts raising her up. Why is that important? Well, I want to tell you women this morning, and any of you mothers this morning, I want to tell you, What's important about that is it tells you it doesn't matter where you come from, or if you're important or not important, or if you've got money or you don't have money, God can use you. Amen. And God does use you. And I've seen so many, uh, some of the most simple women, that, uh, that they're not very well educated, they've been some of the most powerful women in all of the world. Uh, John, and, uh, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, some of the greatest men that God's ever raised up to preach the gospel. Their mother was a simple woman and she raised two great men and they all through their life gave all the honor and glory to God and secondly, not to their daddy, but to their mother. Amen. To their mother. You women can, uh, can, it don't matter where you come from, it, you can be very important in a man's life or another woman's life. Verse 8, So it came to pass when the king commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Hegai, that Esther was brought also into the king's house, to the custody of Hegai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him. So Esther's very pleasing. And she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her her things for purification with such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house, and he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Now, they're getting ready to pick this queen. So Mordecai says, uh, I, you're beautiful. I think you, you got something special about you. I'm going to present you and see if you, could be, if, you, if you could make it. as This is like a beauty contest. 
that's what's going on here. This is uh, kind of like Mrs. Universe or whatever, uh, Miss USA. So they bring all these women in from all over the, the, the Providence, all over. They bring them in. And when they bring in Esther, there's something different about her that pleases this guy. And he says, you know what? I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to put you in the best of place. There's something about you. In verse 10, it says that Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred. For Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. So verse 10, it says that Esther decides, I'm not going to tell them I'm a Jew. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them I'm a Jew. I'm just going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to tell. She has a lot of common sense. This is a great woman because she has a lot of common sense. She's just being quiet about it, and she's using a lot of common sense. A lot of stars in the movies today, a lot of music stars, a lot of... Uh, uh, TV stars, movie stars, they're Jews. A lot of them are Jews, and they hide their Jewish heritage. Why would they do that? Because Jews are hated? It's just that simple. Jews are hated. You'll be amazed when you start finding out somebody you really, really like. You'll start being amazed when you find out how many of them are Jews. You know what amazed me? To find out the Three Stooges were Jews. <laughs> that might not be amazing to you, but it amazed me. Almost the whole band, Kiss... The rock and roll band, Jews. Just about everybody you can think of that's anybody in, 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 in the entertainment industry, they're all Jews. Very, very successful. Even though they're hated. And she's being very wise. She's got a lot of common sense. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. So he's checking up on her. Mordecai's checking up on, on his daughter, his adopted daughter, Esther. Verse 12. Now, when every maid's turn was come to go into the king, Hazarius... After that, she had been 12 months, according to the manner of the women, for so were the days of their purifications accomplished, to wit, six months with the oil of myrrh, and six months with sweet odors, and with other things for the purifying of the women. They got a year to clean up before they got to see the king. That's a long time to do your hair, isn't it? Some of you men would say, my wife takes almost, ha almost that long, but... But yeah, so it took, you know, we think that some of you ladies take a while for you to get ready to go. That, that, that took them a year to get her ready and everybody ready. Then verse 13, then thus came every maiden unto the king. Whatsoever she desired was given her to go with her out of the house of the women under the king's house. So they come in, they say, whatever, you're about to represent it to the king. This is your one and only chance to really make a show of it. So what do you want? And, and they would say, I want jewels and I want this and I want to wear that and so verse 14, in the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned into the second house of the women to the custody of Shazgaz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubine. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her and that she was called by name. So if you came in and you made a big impression on the king, he said, yeah, I kind of like this uh, Myrtle or whatever. So, so just bring Myrtle back in, maybe, and we'll look at her again. But they would bring them in, just kind of show them off. And, see, because they've got to find a queen. They, mu they must find a queen. And if he didn't like you, you were gone. You were never, be, never were brought back in again. Verse 15. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Habiel, the uncle of Mordecai, had, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing. Look, but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Esther is a woman with contentment. She's just content with what she has. She's just being herself. 
She's very plain. She's very simple. She doesn't, when he brings them in, he says, what do you want? Where, where most women say, give me all those jewels right there. Really deck me out. Give me some new shoes. Give me some new clothes. Esther says, I'm fine. Just whatever, I'm fine. I'm content. I'm going to go before the king just like me. Just plain and simple. Now, this comes back to a great truth for a lot of you younger ladies. You need to understand this. And I don't know if I can hammer this in enough. And you might not believe me, but it's true. And I think there's a lot of men in this room that would agree with me is, Men, now listen to me, you don't see this in the world, but you're not, you're not looking at the world rightly. Men prefer the girl next door over the floozy whore. I'm going to say it again. Now, whore is a biblical word before somebody will go, oh, he used the word whore. <laughs> Men prefer the girl next door over the floozy whore. And some of you might say automatically say, well, what about that woman on TV? And what about this one? And what about this one? And what about men would like to use certain women, but then they get rid of them. There's a difference. Without getting into details, there's a difference between being used and being loved and took care of. Amen. Now, if you want to be used and be took advantage of, and men just want to use you and get rid of you, that's what you call a whore. Now, if you want to be loved and cherished, that man is not... When a man's looking for a woman to, for one night stand, there's a million of them out there. But there's not a million of uh, the girl next door. And that's the, man, that's the woman that the man cherishes, the man wants to marry, and the man wants to take care of, and to secure, and to, be, uh, to die for. That's, if you're looking for a man that's willing to die for you, be the girl next door. If you're looking for a man to use you and abuse you and get rid of you, be a whore. I can't say it any more simple. Woo, it's getting quiet in here. I better move along. <laughs> Woo! Verse 16. Verse 16. So Esther was taken unto King Azarias into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month to Beth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. She got it. She comes in and she just simply comes in, just simply being herself. Amen? She's simply being herself. She doesn't need all this extra stuff. She says, I'm just going to be me. And there's something wonderful about a woman that's just her. And just be me. And I don't have to be dolled up. I have to do all this. I'm just going to come in. I'm just going to be me and be simple. I don't need anything extra. And he sees her and he says, now that's a woman right there. Now that's a lady. And he loved her. And he loved her above all women. And he made her queen. In verse 18, Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release into the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. So they make a feast named after Esther. Like uh, so many of you women now are celebrating Mother's Day. That's what this was. I mean, it's, it's practically like a Mother's Day feast that they made. In verse 19, And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people. She still hadn't told anybody that she's a Jew. As Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. Here's another trait of, Morde of Esther that we need to understand. Esther was a woman that was obedient to her elders. She was a lady that was obedient to her elders. She wasn't like a, 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 a stepdaughter to Mordecai that would say, you're not my daddy. Don't tell me how to do it. You're not my daddy. 
That wasn't in Esther. Esther said, this man has, took me on as, as, my do, as a daughter, and I'm taking him on as a father, so I will call him father, and if he tells me to do something, that's what I'm going to do. She listened. She was wise. You see how she's got a lot of common sense. Esther has a lot of common sense, because she knows if she brings up that she's a Jew, then she's hated. The Jews are hated, so she's using a lot of common sense, and she's listening to her elders. Now we're going to see God's hand start moving. If you didn't know God's hand was moving already, you don't know how a Jew works. Because a Jew is blessed. All these beautiful virgin women, all, and it's just, just one Jewish girl comes in there, an orphan girl, and she's chosen as queen? How is that possible? God, God's hand. Is that a miracle? I don't know if it's a miracle, but I can see God's hand moving. She got favor of the chamberlain. She comes in, and there's all these virgins, and he says, there's something about her. There's God's hand moving. I'm going to put her over here and make her something special. And then you see her come before the queen, and it says, before the king, and the king says, there's something about her. That's God's hand moving. Amen. Now look at verse 21. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those which kept the door, were wroth and sought to put, lay hand on the king of Zarias. They wanted a coup. They were about to take over the king. They were going to try to kill the king. Verse 22, And the thing was known to Mordecai. So Mordecai found out that they were going to kill the king, who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. She told the king, Hey, my, my father who adopted me, Mordecai, told me there's some men after you. Verse 23, notice this. When inquisition was made, they, they investigated it. Of the matter, it was found out. Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree, these men that were trying to kill the king. And it, look, at, look at this. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. Remember that. All this stuff happened. They wrote it down. Mordecai, he saved the king. He did this for the king. It's certain, certain, certain date. And it's forgotten. So God's hand says, I want, I moves, and these men write it down. It's put in a book. It's put on a shelf. Nobody's reading the book. Nobody cares about that book. It's a boring book of just journals. It's just boring. Nobody cares about that stuff. But God's hand's moving, and you're going to see this stuff come back into play. Now, skip past chapter 3, because the whole chapter 3 is a story of entering of Haman. Now, Haman is the adversary. Now, when the Jews, when they have this festival, the pe festival of Purim or Lots, when the, when the Jews have the festival of Purim or Lots, uh, even to today, they tell the story of Esther, and whenever Haman's name is mentioned, they stomp on the pew, and they rattle the dishes, and boo, and hiss, and they hiss, because Haman is the adversary. Haman hates the Jew, and the reason he hates the Jew is, is because he's been brought up, King Azarius makes Haman a very important man in the kingdom, and, his, and every time Haman goes out, there's Mordecai, and he's standing by the gate, and Mordecai, he doesn't bow down to Haman, he doesn't worship Haman, and Haman can't stand Mordecai for it. And when, Mordecai, when Haman finds out that Mordecai's a Jew, he says, I'm going to kill every Jew. So Haman goes in sneakily to the king. He said, there's a people. They don't follow your laws. They follow their own laws. And they're a wicked people. And we need to kill them. And, and the king, being a king, is like, whatever, just take care of it. So Haman goes out and he writes a letter and he writes a letter. He says, on this certain, certain date, every Jew should be killed and their property taken. So he's out to kill every Jew. Sounds like Nazi Germany, doesn't it? Amen, Amen it does. Hitler did the same thing. So, oh, he's evil. And Haman's out to get him. So we're going to pick up the story back in chapter 4. Look, chapter 4, verse 10. Turn to chapter 4, verse 10. So 
Mordecai finds out about this decree, this law. The king has made a law. Now notice this. When a king makes a law, you can't change it. You can't do away with that law. Once the law is signed, boom, it's done. A Persian king gives a law and puts his stamp on it. You can't reverse it. You can't, you can't, other words, you can't, what I mean by reverse it, you can't take that law and say, oh, that law don't count anymore. A person, that's why when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, the king was tricked into throwing Daniel in the lion's den, and he was very angry with himself. The king said, what have I done? I've made that law. It can't be done. I've got to wait all night long to see what's going to happen to Daniel. And praise the Lord, when the king came to the den and he looked in, he said, Daniel, Daniel, are you alive? And Daniel said, I'm alive. Praise God. And he was down there petting a lion on the head. But the king couldn't reverse it. The same thing goes here. This decree is given. You can't do away with this law. And when I say reverse, I mean you can't take this law and just say, oh, this law don't count anymore. The king's done. The, so Mordecai hears about this. He's terrified because he knows I'm a Jew. Everybody's a Jew. And he goes to Esther. And he tells Esther, listen, we got to do something here. You're a Jew. I'm a, we got to do something. In verse 10, we're picking up the story in verse 10. And again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's providence do know that whosoever, now this is what she's saying, that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king into the inner court, that's where the king sits, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death. So if you just came into this inner court, the king sat in the inner court and he had a couple of his men around him, if you just walked into this inner court without being, without being asked, and the king's there, and you walk in, instant death. Go take them and hang them, cut their head off, kill them. The only way you can get away with it, in the middle of verse 11, does, uh, only to, whom, to such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. She said, it's been a month since I've been called in. And if I go in there and the king doesn't take that golden scepter and point it at me, I'm in trouble. That golden scepter, my friend, is a great type of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't approach God the Father with the cross in your hand, you're doomed and damned to the devil's hell. If you approach God the Father and He lifts up that golden scepter and you've got the golden scepter of the golden cross, you've got Jesus Christ, that's what all these types are, then you can approach. But without the cross, don't approach God. I'm giving you some good advice. I'm giving you some good advice. Don't approach God unless you've got... Jesus Christ. And she tells him, hey, it's been 30 days. I hadn't even been called in. You know what's going to happen? I could be killed for this. And they, told, they, and they told to Mordecai Esther's words. So the word gets back to Mordecai. Hey, Esther says she's going to get killed if she goes in. Unless, and this is what he says. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. Listen, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. He said, you're thinking, don't think that just because you're a Jew, but you're in the king's house and you're a queen, that you're going to get away. They're going to kill every Jew. And that's going to include you, even though you're top of the top. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. He said, you know what? If you don't help us out, Esther, God's going to help us out in another way. God will show up in another way. See, he's putting his faith in God. Hey, you might not be able to help me out, but if you don't help out, Esther, I think God's going to show up in another way. But look at the end of verse 14. 
And this is something very important I want you to look at this morning. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? He said, how do you know that God didn't raise you up, make you queen, just so you could do this thing right now? So God, has a, God gives you a free will. And when he gives you this free will, God has designed something, and he's raised, sometimes he raises us up to do things in our lives, and he gets this thing designed up, and if we don't do it, then he'll just, you'll come out of the way and say, I don't want to do that, God, and God will send somebody else. Uh, this church is a perfect example. There's no telling how many men sh should have been up here preaching before God had to go and find an old trash man running a trash route to come out here. Ain't that sad? <laughs> Amen, that's sad. I mean, God's probably got all these men he's called, and oh, nope, 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 nope. And then here's some old dumb trash man. I guess I'll go, Lord, you know. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you know, you, might, you can change your mind, but God's going to deliver us. We're going to get delivered. And how do you know you weren't raised up for this, Esther? Ladies, I'm, I'm telling you, when you're, when you're giving a child, God's giving you a gift. Amen. And he's giving you a gift, and you... you it's so powerful, the gift of, of motherhood on a, on, a, on a man and on a woman. The, 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 the influence, the things you can say, the, the way you carry yourself, they're so, so powerful, and God's giving you that gift. And whenever you, you get that child, it, 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 be, it don't matter. If, it, if you're like Mordecai, you might have to adopt a child. Amen? Amen. Even, if, even if you adopt a child, that's still being a mother. And you, raise, and you got that child... And, that's such a gift. We got to use it right wisely. Verse 15, Then Esther made, bade them return Mordecai this answer. This is what Esther had to say. This is why I love Esther. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Sushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go into the king. She says this, the very first thing Esther says is, okay, guys, let's pray about it. And let's not just pray a little prayer, let's get serious about it. When you're fasting, you're saying that's a serious prayer. That what you're trying to do is you're trying to deny this flesh, the food, deny this flesh, the water, and say, you know what, I'm going to try to get this flesh down. I'm going to crucify this flesh so this Holy Spirit, the Spirit can reach out to God and there can be some communion I can really get some prayers answered from God. And she said, that's what I need. So a good mother, a good woman, this good Esther, the first thing she's going to do is she's going to pray about it. She says, let's pray about it. Now what's amazing about this sermon, amazing about this story is, this story is showing you how to defeat your enemy without raising a hand. Amen. And that's why I'm preaching this message on Mother's Day. Because this story is about defeating your enemy without raising a hand. Because we know how men handle things. What does Mordecai want to do? I guarantee you Mordecai says, let's get some knives, let's get some swords, let's get a bunch of men, let's storm the castle. Let's see, that's how we do it, right? That's how we fix things. Men fix things with a hammer. And the bigger the hammer, the bigger the fix, right? I mean, if, if something doesn't work, get a hammer after it and let's just bang it. Bang it. And that's how we're going to fix it. And, and Esther doesn't have, she, she's, a, she's a lady. She doesn't have those options. She is going to come at, at, her, at the enemy without raising a hand. And the way you do that is, the first way you do that is, is through prayer and fasting. But she's not a coward. 
you got to understand it. Because so, some people think, well, if somebody slaps me in the face and you don't, you don't punch them back, you're a coward. No, it takes more of a man to do that. It takes more of a man to do that. It's the easiest thing in the world to do the wrong thing. That's the easiest thing. It's very hard to live the Christian life. It takes a real man to live the Christian life. You say, well, she's kind of just praying. Why don't she fight? Why don't she go? Look at the end of verse uh, 16. And so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. And look what she says. And if I perish, I perish. She's willing to die. She's no coward. She's courageous. She's very courageous. If I perish, I perish. She's willing to do it, and she says, you know what, we're going to pray about it, let's fast about it, let's give three days, let's really get serious about it, and I'm going to go in, you know what, if I die, I die. Amen. That's very courageous. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Now we're going to see Esther working. <laughs> this is the part of the story that I really, really love about Esther. Because Esther reminds me of so many women. Y'all dangerous women out there. So dangerous. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5. That's why I love Esther. Now it came to pass on the third day. Jesus Christ was raised on the third day. That Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. She found favor. She found favor. So the first thing Esther does is she comes in. They've been praying. They're waiting. And God's hand moves. And the king sees her. And the king says, there's old Esther. And he reaches out his scepter. She finds favor. So she comes over, she gets through the first, she gets through it, she gets through the first part of the plan, right? Verse 3, then said the king unto her, what wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? It shall be even given thee to the half of the kingdom. Oh, he loves his wife. Ladies, the power you have over your husband is incredible. And, and it's, there's nothing more dangerous than a woman that understands the, the power she has over her, her husband and then abuses it. You can destroy your husband or you can lift him up. Uh, behind every great man is a great woman. Amen. Amen. It'd be a great mother or a great wife. Or both. But behind every great man is a great woman. I'm going to go one step further. Behind every destroyed man is an evil woman. Behind every evil man is an evil woman. You gotta have both sides of the coin. Amen. Amen. You gotta have both sides. You gotta have both sides. You gotta have both sides of it. So the power you have over your husband is amazing. There's the king. He says, I'll give you up to half of everything I own. Just ask it. <laughs> That's some powerful. She has some power over her husband. Verse 4. And Esther answered, If it seemed good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Cause Haman to make haste that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. So she doesn't flat out just say, Hey, uh, Haman's out to kill me and my people. She says, Let's make, come, invite Haman and I want to I make a little banquet for you guys, for you and Haman. So Esther, 
Azarius, the king says, go get Haman and bring him in here. Verse 6, And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, so they're, out, they're drinking, What is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? Even to the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. See the love he has for her. Then answered Esther and said, My petition and my quest is this, is if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king hath said. Ooh, ooh, Esther is scheming. This is what makes women so dangerous. Yes, sir. Amen, Brother Raymond. Dangerous. This is what makes women so dangerous is the scheming. The scheming. And I love you women for it. Because, you know, uh, a man, he's going to come in there and a man's going to say, Okay, king, you, half of the kingdom, that man's out to kill me and my people. That's how I would have done it. But old Esther comes in. Oh, king, uh, will you come to a banquet? I, that's all I ask, just a little banquet. Okay, okay. Get, get old Haman over here. And they get over, well, let, tomorrow I'm going to have a bigger banquet. Can we, you and Haman come tomorrow? I would love that. That'd be so wonderful. Oh, and his batter eyes or whatever at him. He's all, oh, yeah, whatever you want, baby. You got it, baby. Whatever you want. Just scheming. Y'all are so dangerous that way. Y'all are so dangerous that way. You say, Brother Keegan, why are you saying that? That's not very nice. I'm telling you what I've learned about women through life and through the Bible. I read my Bible. And let me tell you a story about a, a precious woman in the Bible. Her name is Jael. And Jael was part, they had this battle going on. And this, this guy named Sisera was part of the battle. And he was, he was fighting against Israel. And he, he was losing the battle. Sisera jumped out of his chariot and Sisera ran. And there was this poor innocent woman named Jael. And she said, hey, come over here. And Sisera, he runs over there to her tent. And she says, come on in here. And he runs in, and he's like, oh, I'm thirsty, I'm tired. She goes, here, let me give you something to drink. Here, just sit down for a little while. And he goes, hey, if somebody comes to the door, just tell them I'm not in here. She says, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. Here, take some, some, it says the Bible says she gave him some bottle of milk. And she laid him down, and she put a, she put a blanket over him. Oh, so sweet, oh, so sweet. And then she said, the Bible said that he fell fast asleep. And while this innocent man is laying there asleep, belly full of milk, feeling really comfortable, sound asleep, she snuck up on him with a nail spike about this long and a hammer in her hand, and she laid it delicately on his temple. And the Bible says she took that hammer and drove it through his head. Killed him. Right there. And the Bible says Caesarea was killed by a woman. Now that's scheming. That's dangerous. Because <laughs> all through that, Caesarea, every man Caesarea had run into, they pulled the sword out on him. Oh, it's Caesarea. And they pulled the sword out. Get him, get him. And this woman says, oh, no, come in here. Just scheming. You women are dangerous. <laughs> you know, you know there's, a, there's a way to kill a man without ever lifting a hand. Without ever lifting a hand. You know what Jesus Christ says about this kind of stuff, ladies? Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Jesus Christ says, be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. That's exactly what Esther's doing. Whereas I would be as, I'd be as harmful as a bear. I'd come in and, ah, I don't want you, Haman's, ah. 
Jesus Christ says, not just be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Esther's scheming. And look at verse 9. Here's Haman. Oh, Haman. Then when Haman forth that, that, that day joyful and with a glad heart, and when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. So Haman goes out. Man, he's, it's a good day, man. The queen keeps inviting me to these banquets. I'm so blessed. And the king likes me and the queen likes me. And man, life's so good. Verse 10. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. And when he came home, he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh, his wife. But when he comes out, there's old Mordecai. Mordecai won't bow down. And he said, man, I hate that guy, but I'm not going to let him get to me today because today's a good day. I got invited to another banquet. I've got to sit with the queen and the king. And this is such a good day. And he goes home to his wife, verse 11. Haman told them of all the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the princes and the servants of the king. He's bragging, oh, man. The king loves me. The queen loves me. Things are so good. I got so many riches. Verse 12. Haman said moreover, Yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself. <laughs> Ooh, he don't know women very well. She's scheming. Notice it says, And tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the king. A story's only as good as its ending. Amen. And this isn't going to be a good ending for Haman. <laughs> and you look at some people's lives and like, man, look at them. They're living the dream. Look at the riches. Look at the houses. Look at the cars. Man, they're living the dream. But you haven't seen the end. Amen. And the Bible warns us to look at the end of a thing. Because they can look at, live that way, but there's an end coming. And Haman hadn't seen the end. And Haman's saying, oh, man, I can't wait for tomorrow. And tomorrow, he's going to look back and say, I wish tomorrow never came. There's a warning to all of us. He's going to wish tomorrow never came. Verse 13, yet all this availeth me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. And he said, man, I'm so happy, but man, Mordecai wouldn't bow down again, and I can't stand it. I've got to do something. And look at the, listen to his wife's advice. Verse 14, then said Zeresh his wife and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high. That's like seventy-five feet high. And tomorrow speak thou unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. That then go thou merrily with the king into the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. His wife gave him some really bad advice. Now you have a good wife, you have a good woman, you have a good mother in Esther, and you have a bad wife in Zeresh that's saying, Hey, you don't like that guy, just hang him. Make some gallows and hang him. Let's see where this is going to go. You know where this is going to go. So chapter 6, chapter 6, the whole chapter 6 is the story of the king waking up. He can't go to sleep. And he's having trouble sleeping. Look, look at verse 1. Let's just read through it. I don't have much time, but let's read through it. On that night, verse, chapter 6, verse 1, on that night could not the king sleep. So the very night before the banquet. The king could not sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they read, were read before the king. What's going on there is the king can't go to sleep, so what do you do? You get some boring book off a shelf that'll put you to sleep, amen? And he's reading these chronicles. And look at this, verse 2. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Big Thana 
And Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on the king of Zerus. Out of all these chronicles of books, out of all the things that's written in this one book, he happens to land on the story of Mordecai saving the king. Just happens to. If you don't believe in God's hand, it's a happenstance. And the king said, What honor dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There's nothing done for him. Nobody ever gave Mordecai a gift. Nobody ever said thank you to Mordecai for saving the king. And the king recognizes that there should have been something done for Mordecai. And uh, verse 4, And the king said, Who's in the court? The king says, who's in the court? Now Haman was coming to the, court, the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. The very moment Haman comes in, he says, I'm coming in. I'm going to tell the king, give me Mordecai. I'm going to hang him on those gallows. He's coming in at that very moment to get Mordecai hanged. But right before that, God's hand moved and he's seen what Mordecai had done for the king. <laughs> you see God's hand in this? Here comes Haman. Here he comes. Verse and the king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in. Of course, Haman's in a good mood. He's, the king loves him. And the king said unto him, What shall be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to honor more than myself? <laughs> so the king says, I've got a man I really, really want to honor. And Haman said, Well, of course he's talking about me. And that's what he tells himself in his heart. Don't trust your heart. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Above all things it is. Don't trust your heart. Haman trusts his heart and said, well, of course the king wants to honor me. So what does Haman do? Haman says, and Haman answered the king, verse 7, for the man whom the king delighted to honor, let the royal apparel be brought in which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. See, Haman's doing everything he wants done. He wants all that. So he wants the crown. He wants everything. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man withal whom the king delighted to honor, and bring him on horseback to the street of the city, and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighted to honor. So he's thinking, man, I'm going to get on a horse, I'm going to have the crown, I'm going to have the royal apparel, and somebody's going to lead me through the city, and everybody's going to be chanting my name, it's going to be so wonderful. That's what Haman's thinking. Then the king said to Haman, verse 10, there's a payday someday, guys. There's a payday someday. There's a payday someday. Verse 10, then the king said to Haman, make haste and take up the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Then took Haman the apparel and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and brought him on the horseback to the street of the city and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Don't you know Haman was going completely nuts? He was just stepping in and saying, hey, man, we need to hang this man. And it wasn't five minutes later. He's walking out. He goes, I've got to lead this man. I've got to put a crown on him. I've got to lead him through the city, and I've got to proclaim his name. Don't you know Haman was just fuming? Look at verse 12. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hasted to his house mourning and having his head covered. He was ashamed. And Haman told Jairus his wife. Now he goes home and tells his wife, duh, 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 duh. And all his friends, everything that had befallen him, then said his wise, his wise men and Zeresh's wife unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, 
Thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. <laughs> Zeresh and then his wife and his friend, hey man, make a gallows, hang Mordecai. He comes back and they're like, oh man, you're in trouble. Sorry for you, you're in some big trouble. <laughs> That's what friends do for you. Friends give you bad advice, and then they laugh at you when you follow their advice, and it all falls apart. If you don't have friends like that, you had not had very many friends in this life. Amen, Brother Keegan. I'll amen myself. I've had friends that give me, give me advice, and then when I, I follow their advice, I follow their advice, and then when it falls apart, they're laughing at me. Maybe y'all have had a lot better friends than I've been able to pick out. <laughs> Verse 14, And while they were talking with him, came the king's chamberlains and hasted to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. Oh, here we go. Haman comes in, Esther has, has the banquet ready, and they bring Haman into the banquet. Now we're going to see Esther move. So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen, and the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee, and what is thy request, and it shall be performed even to half of the kingdom. Chapter 7, verse 3. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please thee, king, let my life be given me at my petition, and my people at my request. A great woman asked for salvation. She asked to be saved, and then she asked for her loved ones to be saved. A great woman, a great woman like Esther, they pray for their own salvation, and then they pray for the salvation of their loved ones. That's what she's doing there. Verse 4, For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I'd held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. She said, if we were just going to be sold into slavery, I wouldn't be in here. Even though if we were sold into slavery, what Haman would provide for you is nothing what the Jew can provide for you. Amen. And that goes for the truth. What the Jew provide would have, could have provided for Germany, Germany could have won the whole world. Amen. We won the World War II, I think, simply because we got the Jew that knew how to make the atom bomb. And if it wasn't for the Jewish scientists, the German Jews that they ran out of Germany, we won the World War. And that's what she's making a point of saying. So verse 5. Then the king Azarias answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he? And where is he? That does pre presume in his heart to do so. Oh no. Don't you know Haman's like, Oh no. Oh no. Could it get any worse? No, it can't. But it can. Then the king, in the verse 6, And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. And Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. She says it to his face. Amen. This woman's courageous. She's not afraid of him. And that's why she schemed it up. She schemed it up. She got everything set up just like she wanted it. And then she says, she gets him in there, and then she says, that guy right there. You women are dangerous. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. I love it. See, what I found out about God from reading his Bible... You see how all this falls right into place right on time? That's called telling a good story. Amen. And God loves to tell a good story. And some of y'all are living lives and doing things, and God's telling a story through your life. But the good story's got to have cliffhangers. It's got to have moments where you think, well, there's no way. And then, boom, it happens. And you say, Lord, that's God's hand moving. Amen. 
And that's what's happening here. So she points at Haman and said, that's the man right there. And the king arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, he got really mad, went into the palace garden. He went off to cool off. He went out of the room into the garden to cool off because he was so mad. And Haman stood up to make requests for his life to Esther the queen. He's about to start begging this Jew for his life. The Jew that he hates, he's about to beg for her life. That there were evil determined against him by the king. So he's begging Esther. Verse 8, look what happens in verse 8. Then the king returned out of the palace garden. He's finally cooled off a little bit into the place of the banquet of wine. And Haman was falling upon the bed. That's a reclining bed. That's like a little reclining bed you see in the olden days. It wasn't a bed you sleep on, you kind of recline. We call it a couch. Haman was falling upon the bed where Esther was. Esther's sitting on that couch, and Haman's, oh, please don't kill me. Oh, please. He's begging his life, and he's hanging all over her, and look what the king thinks. Then said the king, will he force the queen also before me in the house? As a word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Are you going to try to rape my wife right here, too? Wow. <laughs> Poor Haman. Oh, no, no. You're trying to rape my wife now. And right when he says that, they just put the hood over the face. And Haman, one of the cha- and, and, and Harbina, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, Then was the king's wrath pacified. Amen. It was a payday someday. You give a man enough rope, he'll hang himself. We say today, we say, hang him high. 75 foot tall is pretty high. Hang him high. So, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1, in closing, on that day did the king of Zarius give the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, under Esther the queen, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told them what he was unto her. Everything that Haman owned went right to Esther and Mordecai. You know, he's bragging about how rich he was, remember? Verse 2, And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. That Jew replaced that Gentile. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Mordecai was above everybody. But look at verse 3. This is where we want, this is it right here, verse 3. And Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet. Esther's going to show you how to approach God in prayer. To ask God for something. Esther's about to show you how to do that. Here's how you do it. Verse 3. And Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet. You've got to get at the feet of Jesus. You've got to get at the feet of Jesus. And besought him with tears. You've got to, shed, you've got to give your heart to Jesus. You get get down at the feet of Jesus, you got to pour your heart out to Jesus. To put away the mischief of Haman the Agatite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter towards Esther. So Esther rose and stood before the king. You've got to have the golden scepter given to you. You've got to have the cross of Calvary given to you. You've got to have Jesus Christ given to you. Verse 5, And said, this is what she said, If it please the king... You've got to ask in the will of the Father. When you approach God and, and pray, you've got to ask in the will of the Father. If, if it please the king, if this is something that's going to make you happy, God. And if I have found favor in thy sight, the way you find favor in the sight of God is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You find favor through the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And it seemed right before the king... 
If it seemed right before, if this is something that I'm not going to try to consume on my lust, and it's going to be something that's good for your kingdom, that's how she's praying. And I be, look, and I be pleasing in, in, in his eyes. And if I'm pleasing to you, God the Father, if I'm doing those things that are pleasing to you, see, that's how you approach. It's hard to approach God the Father when you're doing those things that don't please him. Amen. You want, some, you want God to answer your prayers, be pleasing to him. Let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agatite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are all, are all in the king's provinces. And he does. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come upon my people, or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king of Zerah said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. When God has sealed you with the Holy Spirit, no man can reverse that. And when the king says, you're saved, you're saved indeed. And when the king says, you're free, you're free indeed. And you are free. Now Esther was able to accomplish this and had this stuff reversed because she used humility, she used common sense, she used contentment, she used love, she used obedience, she used prayer, she used courage, she used scheming. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. And she asked in the right way. She didn't raise her hand not one time. I'm preaching about how you can defeat your enemy without raising your hand. And a woman can do that every time, and a man don't understand it. <laughs> we want to pull the gun out. We want to pull the knife. And that's what me were t- we were talking, uh, Sister Colleen and me were talking to Frank, God bless him. And we were talking to Frank, and I told Frank, I said, Frank, you're like John Wayne. You're big. You're Superman. But this is something, cancer is not something you can punch or kick or shoot or trap or hunt. You're going to have to turn it over to Jesus Christ. Amen. This is not some war you're going to fight with your hands or your fist. You're going to have to fight it with your mind through the power of the Lord Savior Jesus Christ, His precious blood. She did all of that. She accomplished all that through this. And notice it says that they, they reversed the writing. It says, it, let it be written to reverse the letters. We know what that says. God's not going to change His law. Once He gives a law, it's given. But he can make a law to counteract that other law. The law says that if you sin, the penalty is death and it's the devil's hell. That's what the law says. So what God does, he says, I'm going to give another law. I'm going to let another person that has pure blood sacrifice himself for that sin. He's going to pay the penalty. So if a person comes in and gets under that person's blood, he can take that, that person, Jesus Christ, can take their place, and now they no longer have to pay the penalty. The penalty's already been paid for through Jesus Christ. It's called being justified. Amen. And you can be justified in Jesus Christ. So God made a new law in Jesus Christ that replaces this other law. You can still be under this other law and go to hell, but if you can get under this other law, Jesus Christ and say, I'm going to let him pay the penalty. Let him take my place. Amen. Thank God for wonderful mothers. I thank God for ladies that are courageous. And no matter what the world tells you, a woman doesn't have the strength a man has physically. There's some rare exceptions, but a woman doesn't have the strength to pick up a gun or box and beat somebody up. But women are so powerful in the way God's designed y'all with y'all's minds and with your heart and with your love and with your courage and with your everything the Lord gives you. 
It's so wonderful. And us dumb men, we just pick up the big hammer and try to hammer it. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. We got, God's given us the gift of motherhood and of women. And Esther's a great example of that. Saved her, all her people without raising one hand. Amen. Beautiful, plain, content orphan saved the whole Jewish race Amen. by herself. Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for this story. And Lord, if there's somebody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know if they're going to, going to go to heaven or hell, Lord, I just pray when we get this invitation, they'll come on down and get saved. And Father, we thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that he took our place. Father, we thank you that his law does away with the other law, the law of the Ten Commandments. And Father, we thank you, Lord, to give us that law, Lord. And Father, thank you for allowing us to call you Father and allow us to be your kids. We're praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ 
because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.